Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. Would you rather do something physically dangerous or have people make fun of you? Are you driven to be successful because you compare yourself to others? And do you ever find yourself complaining about being bored? Today, one of my favorite comics, Kyle Kinane, is on the show. You've probably seen him on Comedy Central or opening for the likes of Patton Oswalt. We cover a lot of ground with regards to why we need to laugh at ourselves, getting caught up in comparisons, and confronting our fear of rejection. Let's dive in and join the conversation midway as Kyle and I discuss how rigid thinking affects our ability to see the nuance in a given situation. Personally, I think it's lazy to take sides because when we start to actually get into our world, it's more nuanced. We realize we have friends that are connected to X or this or that, and it's like, shit, that that goes against my narrative that there's this line of good and bad. And it's like, it, I can I can understand that side. Or I've, I've got people that I love that are on that side of the issue. And I think that's what comedy does really well, or at least great comedy is that, at least I've seen with Chris Rock, is he can, he can kind of weave this path and and have you thinking one way and then flip your, your whole world view later on in the bit when he, when he throws it the other way. And I, I just think that comedy can do that because we're already laughing and we're already, we're already kind of in a, in an open minded place when we're laughing about something and then bam, here comes this other viewpoint. Is that your experience with, with comedy? I mean, just because of comedy, I've had to, uh, it's the old debate trick of, all right, regardless of what your view, viewpoint is, you are uh, pro this issue or anti this issue, just for the sake of debate, not yeah. what your personal beliefs are. Yeah. So if ever I'm writing a bit where I'm just so incredibly certain of one point of view, I mean, it's not really an interesting bit. It's like, okay, well, I got, I always turn it inward. We're like, why do I think I'm so sure about this? You know, why? Like, are, I, so I'll consciously try to argue against myself just to get just because it's a it's a great writing technique and so all you if if you can argue against yourself and you still have the same point of view you've, you've just shored up your your own point it's it's that much stronger 
or you realize you did have some weak points in when what you were trying to argue or trying to convince people of. So just for a writing exercise, I've, I think I've become, uh, or it's, I've, I've been more analytical towards certain, you know, I, I mean, it's not just like, oh, a guy falls down the stairs and farts. That's funny. That's not like, a, you can't argue different sides for that. But especially if you start wading into the world of, start wading into the world. I, I, I get kind of turned off on comedians that have a, we like a know-it-all attitude mm-hmm. or like a, let me tell you how the world works attitude. Mm-hmm. This is the way, this is the one way and the only way kind of thing. Yeah. And what, what's, why, so I'm either just going to tune in to agree with you all the time because you're not going to challenge me. Right. Or I disagree with you right now and you're so set in your ways, I'm not going to be interested in your point of view. Mm-hmm. You gather more information the longer you're alive. And if, <laughs> I was talking about this with my girlfriend, I forget which candidate, I think in the like four, four, eight years ago, I don't know, but they changed their mind on an issue and everybody's like, they flip flop. And the, whoever had like, the merch was the flip-flop with the candidate's name on it. They learned more yeah, and became more informed and then changed their view. Isn't that, that's called growth. I don't think it's called flip-flopping. <laughs> I think it's called growth in the face of what people would say and call you a hypocrite. It's like, nah, that's, that's, that's growth. And I, I'm more interested in watching, you know, especially comedians and especially like you're saying, when they lead you down that path about like, oh yeah, isn't it? We're all so certain about this, aren't we? And then just slap you in the face. I actually got booed on my last Comedy Central special, playfully booed, but because I taped it in Chicago where I'm from uh-huh. and just tell it like, I'm like, this is great. It's an open-minded city. It's an accepting city. And that's what I love about Chicago. And then I, I told him I like to put ketchup on my hot dogs <laughs> and I got booed by everybody. I'm like, oh, where's that? Where's that great open-minded attitude? Now we got rules about shitty tube meat. That's where you want to take a stance. And right. it was real fun to get booed. I'm like, oh, I thought you guys all just told me you were great, open-minded, accepting people. I thought that's where we were. Right. But you got these. And I mean, that's a playful version of what. It is. It is. But it, but it's great. I think that's what humor. I think that's what comedy does really well is help us see our humanity. And then to laugh at it. When we take ourselves so seriously, we get defensive. We get trenched in. It's hard for us to see our flaws. And there's this beautiful thing that that a comic can do within five, 10, 15 minutes sometimes where it's like, huh, I can't really go back to my entrenched way of seeing things. Cause that guy made me laugh at myself. I can see my flaw. I can see the flaw in my reasoning. So I'm going to reconsider some things here. Do you, I mean, as a comic, are you thinking of that when you're going through the day? Cause I know it falling down and dick jokes can be enough to get a laugh, but there's, there's a sophistication yeah. to your humor without it sounding so, sophisticated and intellectual you were sliding things into your message how how much are you thinking about that as you're as you're writing bits as you said i've said a lot of ignorance stuff in uh, in interviews and in comedy specials where i look back and i'm like oh man you get you get you know you're getting the you know you're getting the go-ahead from an audience that's laughing so you kind of like wind up oh well let me test the limits and uh what they'll accept you say stuff because all of a sudden you know, oh, we're all laughing. And so since we're laughing, we know that it's not real because we're laughing. Yet, at the same moment, you want to be taken seriously with your point of view as a comedian, like you're laughing, but I made you think about a thing. And like you're saying, there's no uh, cut and dry, well, this was just a joke, and this was truth that I used humor to get out into the world. Yeah. I guess what we don't appreciate about a lot of stand-up 
is that you are working on it constantly night after night and you're, you're honing it um, and working these points. And it's not just something that popped out that sometimes there's things that popped out that night, but you, you're working on it over time. It, it seems spontaneous or extemporaneous of what, what happens on stage. But a lot of times you honing in what it is that you want to say and what you mean. There's guys that have set up punchline jokes. That's it. And their whole goal is to get it shorter and shorter and more concise and like, because this, then that. And that's the whole joke. And it's, you know, Mitch Hedberg and it's perfect and it's beautiful and it's simplicity. And then I have an idea. That's what I love. Like, okay, I'm going to go up tonight and it's not going to be good, but it's the idea. And that's it. That's an exciting part because here's a premise that I think, and then hopefully my 20 plus years of doing standup will get me to a punchline. At least the audience feels like they laughed at a thing. Mm -hmm. But then the next night it was like, okay, well, we went this route with our line of thinking. What if we go this way with our line of thinking? It's its own form of therapy because like I was saying, like, well, I'm mad about this. Now I can go and just get on stage and say that I'm mad about it. Or I could be like, well, why am I mad about it? Am I mad about it because it's a situation I can't control? Or is it a situation I can control, but I'm too lazy to? Or I'm not emotionally prepared to deal with it? So my anger is really misdirected sadness over this. So I psychoanalyze myself about <laughs> every deeper bit that I go into. And then I, I think I come out on a on a better level. No, I think that I, that's what I relate to is that, that part that can cut it, it's it, on the, on the outside, it looks a bit like neuroses, but on the other end, it's, it's self-inquiry. It's like, yeah, what is this about? And it's messy and it's dangerous. It's not all put together. And you talk about going out there without a net. A lot of times it seems like there's not a net, but I, I wonder if, if for you after 20 years and going out there and ex exploring ideas in front of people and not knowing how it's going to land, are you immune to, the consequences of not having it quote all figured out at this point, or is it still really scary to go out there? It's never scary. I mean, I was looking at some of the guests that you had interviewed. You had uh, Laird Hamilton and I just watched his uh, catch every wave documentary. I'm like, that's what fear is. The idea that stand up, like you'll never die. You will never encounter physical harm from a bad comedy set, unless you said some hateful stuff, they throw somebody a jumped at up you. on stage. Yeah, I was gonna say in Huntsville, <laughs> it, Alabama, it might get a little rough. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and it's like, okay, well, that's just the you know consequences of, of speech, but it sucks. Yeah. It, it's humiliating. I don't like it, but I'm so glad it's still there. I don't want to be totally callous to it because if you're callous, where's your where's your gauge on whether you're doing it well or not? When I started doing comedy, I would watch the older guys that came through like Zanies in Chicago. It was like a lot of the guys that were left over from the boom of the late 80s, early 90s. I got more pointers watching them not care about performing because uh, they were over it and they were doing the same set. And whether the laugh, we got the laugh or didn't get the laugh, they weren't paying attention. They were on autopilot. And I saw that level of disengagement. I'm like, oh, they're. I'm watching their career end. I'm watching the crowds mm. get younger and them not trying to understand what a younger audience might appreciate. And they were callous to it. Mm. They didn't care. Just let me get my paycheck. Let me go home. I'm like, oh, there's no, there's no love. There's no care in it anymore. So I still feel terrible when I bomb. 
Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's fear. I opened for a, a, a very large act uh, in a amphitheater last summer. And uh, I bombed for 20 minutes in front of thousands of people. <laughs> and uh, and uh, talking about the, the, the analysis, <laughs> like, well, what did I do wrong? It's not always the audience's fault. It's, you know, if, if, you're, if you think you're worth your salt as a comedian, you should be able to go in there and do it. But there's other factors. And did I, you know, and I, I, I have a lot of reflection after that one. And it, it felt terrible. Now, it wasn't fear, but it felt horrible. And I was glad it felt horrible because it made me care about the next show that I had to do. Interesting, because I could see a lot of guys just being like, screw comedy, screw people. They don't get it. I don't get me. There's a defensiveness <laughs> that goes up and like, I'm out of here. And oh, that happens every uh, couple weeks. Yeah. Every couple of weeks. <laughs> but then you got curious though. I think that's the point is like a lot of us want to defend our egos and then attack. And then there's this other part where you got curious and said, well, what is it? What, what could I improve about this and, and take responsibility for? Yeah, there's, it's a two-way street with, a, with an audience here, but what is it that I could take responsibility for and learn and then uh, hopefully use that going forward? If I stop being curious and start locking into like, well, this is my worldview and it's, it stays that way. What's the motivation to go to do anything new? I mean, that's the people that like, no, I like these three foods, so I'm not going to go to this restaurant. I'm not going to go to this restaurant. I'm not going to go to that restaurant. It's like, right. why, why shortchange it? Just on life. Not, I mean, for comedy, it's great because, oh, here, new experience. I don't want to make fun of it right away. I'd rather have the experience, process it, and then turn it into comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, once, you, once you lock into like, oh, this is my person and I don't do new things, well, then where, where's the comedy going to come from? Yeah. I want to come back to this, this aspect, because for you, you say, hey, it's not, it's not fear, and you, know, you, you talked about somebody like a Laird Hamilton out in, in the water, but for most of us, I mean, I've worked with guys that would rather go into life-threatening situations than go into a situation where their egos or their, you know, they, they felt vulnerable more on a self-image level. Somebody's going to call them a wuss, or somebody's going to point out their flaws. Like, I, I've, I, that's been far more scary for them than to go do something physically demanding and possibly where they hurt themselves or endanger themselves. And I shit you not like that. That's, that's the <laughs> truth. So I wonder for you and, and for the circle of that you surround yourself with, with other comics, do you see the world in that way? Cause most people like, man, public speaking, deathly afraid of that much less like going yeah. up on stage and kind of winging it sometimes and talking about things. So do you have a, do you see the world and kind of like the folks who are willing to, confront that fear of their self-image being you know, attacked or being misunderstood or being rejected, humiliated? I can learn from having my ego bruised. I can't learn from having my head scraped along a coral reef after <laughs> messing up a wave. Like there, there's no introspection after that. It's just like, Oh, that hurt real bad. You can learn to wear a helmet. You know, you can, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, maybe. Yeah. If you get the chance to do it again. But for me, it's like, Oh, that, Oh, wow. Yeah. Here's a, Here's an, here's an, like your whole life is laughing, hanging out with comedians. Hey, guess when you're not laughing, uh, eating shit in front of 12,000 people, <laughs> sit with that one for a while, <laughs> stew in that one. It's like, okay, here's a layer of life we haven't had to deal with in a little while. And yeah. it's, uh, I have management that just put me on TikTok, which, so I've just been looking at that. I'm like, oh my God, 
Um, what maybe the uh, the illusion of public speaking being so frightening is going to go by the wayside now that social media is everybody performing all the time for the potential of thousands and millions of people to see them. <laughs> maybe they'll realize, oh yeah, what was the problem? I'm going to do this dance in the middle of the restaurant because right. who cares? Uh, you know, that whole like- dance like nobody's watching. They really took that one to heart over on TikTok. Um, well, let me ask you about this because the there's a there's a story that comics are bruised and they're damaged, and the only way that they can experience love is if they get up on stage and make people laugh. The way that you're describing your relationship with comedy and writing and performing is a lot of it's aligned with a growth mindset. What do I have to learn? What what where can I expand? Mm-hmm. And I understand it's not all one or the other here, but. I find that I find that inspiring to find those places where you can turn another rock over and experience another experience life in a greater way or in another way. You just describe those two different things like oh, on TikTok. If I go down this road, if I'm one of those types of folks, then I'll get some kind of validation. I'll do anything for validation, even confront myself with the possibility mm-hmm. of humiliation. But it seems that what you're talking about here is like, no, I get to experience more of life when I do this process. Is that what you're speaking to? The idea that comedians are are broken people, I always go back against that. I'm like, I bet if you let your anybody else in your life let your let your auto mechanic talk for an hour every night about themselves, you're gonna find out some pretty deep dark. <laughs> uh, you're gonna uh, you know open some real weird doors in his mind too or, or her mind. Anybody given that platform to express themselves that often, oh, wow, they're so broken. Like, no, they're just displaying it. I right. think like a, an old joke, I'm like, I'm glad I'm a comedian because otherwise my life would just be this series of undocumented low points. <laughs> Everybody has these stories. I'm not special. Everybody has those experiences. I just now have put it through a filter of like, well, can I make some money off it? It's just, I don't think it's that comedians are inherently broken. Maybe the weird component that drove them to tell stranger the strangers these things, whereas everybody else is like, oh, you gotta keep that a secret, keep it bottled up. Well, that's not good either. Yeah. Everybody walking around has issues. They're just maybe not dealing with them the way a comedian's gonna talk about. It. Yeah. What's the point if you're not gonna be eternally curious and go forward? Especially me. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking I don't have kids, so I'm not getting to relearn life through the eyes of a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sometimes I think maybe that's a motivating factor in having a family at some point. You're like, oh, I'm losing a little bit of joy. Oh, I get to watch it through kids' eyes. Fortunately, I'm wildly immature at 43 years old. I'm in a garage full of remote control cars and bicycles and uh, musical instruments I'm not good at. So that's that's handled. I'm never telling the missus. I'm like, if I get bored, that's my problem. And I used to agree with Doug Stanhope's viewpoints, like, well, boredom's a disease. And now I'm like, nah, boredom is just, nobody should ever be bored. Take a walk, get in your own mind. Nobody yeah. should ever be bored. You're curious. I, I, that's yeah. the thing I'm taking away is if I'm bored, I'm not curious. I'm not turning over rocks and seeing how, you know, knocking on things and see what makes them tick or asking somebody a question yeah. that it might be a little edgy. You know, that's a, that's a quick way to get the pulse going. Uh, what, what do I want to learn about this person that I'm afraid to ask about? Yeah, conversation. I mean, I'm not much for like, I never want to pester strangers in public, but oh boy, do I love sitting at a bar and eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. That's where I get a lot of it. You know, just anywhere, just listening to other people chit chat. Mm-hmm. Not like a creep, but you know, 
Yeah. Again, like, oh, what are these? Okay, two people going through a thing. I'll listen to it. Yeah. Let's see what's going. You know, yeah. Boredom is not. Uh, I I find boredom to be unacceptable. Have you seen humor? Have you seen comedy heal things? Have you seen that just the ability to to kind of when you show up on stage and you talk about the things that make you quote unquote crazy or different, even though you're not, you recognize it now. There's, there's people, can you see it in their eyes where they say, yeah, that's, that's me too. I mean, that's why they're laughing. If it was so outlandish, they wouldn't laugh. You'd just be kind of, they'd be in shock. But I think a lot of times the laughter is me too. Do you, do you feel like there's a, that connection that happens in the room is something that brings us together? Have you ever witnessed that type of a thing? I'm always a little hesitant to put comedy on too high of a pedestal, but I mean, I, I've seen it where it's, yeah, like you have an embarrassing story. Like the, the idea of somebody laughing is a little bit of forgiveness. Like if I say something real embarrassing and you laugh at it, it means that even though I was wrong, I'm also up here admitting I was wrong. And by someone laughing, they're like, you were okay. You were wrong, but you know that. So it's okay. So it's as much for me to be like, see guys, huh? Is it okay that I did this horrible thing? Cause I feel yeah. terrible about it. Yeah. As opposed to jokes like, yeah, I did a horrible thing. What are you going to do? You know, uh, <laughs> is, it, but, is it harder to be funny these days? I mean, the cultural things are, have changed. I mean, the, the whole whether whether people are, you know, video, uh, you know, taking videos of your show and posting them online beforehand or just the fact that people are just really like to be pissed off about stuff more. What's you you started <laughs> you started over, you know, 20 years ago. How how is it different now? Do you wish that that it was easier? I'm assuming a bunch of things here, but it seems like it's more of a minefield for comics. I was lucky to catch the tail end of non-internet life when I when I started comedy. Not that it wasn't there, but it wasn't YouTube, and it wasn't you know personalities that were. It's like personalities over material, and yeah. I, you know the, the the whole Twitch streaming and what it's uh, it's. Not for me to understand. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just not for right. me to understand. Yeah. you got an entire world out there to talk about anything you want with comedy. There's no parameters. There's no, there's no categories of what you have to be. So it's a lot harder to not take a, a hot button issue or something that we're all talking about and go that way. Like political comedy, I'm not really going to touch politics because every night there's five different late night talk show hosts, each with a team of great writers hitting every subject of the day. Right. So if I talk about it, it's because, you know, something's bothering me or it was an issue that, that I, th I think I have maybe a unique perspective on mm -hmm. or a story that relates to it. And a story isn't just, oh, here's a one, isn't a personal experience that I can share. You could say there's more challenges with people videotaping and, oh, we heard this joke already. Well, stop spoiling things for yourself. <laughs> Don't go stop sitting on it. YouTube all day. <laughs> if you were going around, just walking around, being curious about the world, then the show would have been new. You you did that to yourself by spoiling it, by looking at it online. <laughs> Get off the computer. Go do something. <clears throat> I got to take blame for that. It's your, <laughs> it's your fault. fault. <laughs> it's your problem for spoiling life for yourself. Leave some things to be surprises. Leave some treats out in the world for yourself. When, uh, when you think about where you are now and you think about where you started, you know, 20 plus years ago, what, was there anything you would have, would have told yourself to do differently? I know you had to learn those lessons so that you get to this place, but are there things that you look back on and you're like, I wish I had learned this lesson a little sooner. It would have helped me out. I get a little quick, uh, I'm pretty opinionated and get a little quick with the tongue sometimes, especially in interviews where I forget that these are being recorded and then we'll be shared with the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or again, where it's like, ah, it's two people joking around and like, nah, it's going to go out there. That's going to be. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, it's going to be out. Of, it's going to be taken out of context. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, for better or worse, I never had a plan going forward. I was happy go lucky. Why should I worry about anything? Messed around at three different colleges and took me seven and a half years to get a bachelor's degree. And I was like, no, I'm going to be. I'm going to like work in a warehouse, become the manager of the warehouse, probably stay here. And at night I'm going to do comedy. I was doing, I was playing music cause I was in a band with my friends and we weren't great, but we had a lot of fun. And then I start, I've started doing comedy. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the thing that I do at night. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to, the guy who's got the house or, and the family maybe, but you got your poker game twice a week, or maybe you got a bowling league, something that like, all right, I'm going to put my attention into this. That's what I thought stand-up was going to be. I'm going to go to these open mics twice a week and maybe get a little bit better and enjoy the, enjoy the craft of it. No, not any idea of fame. Right. I just wanted to be good at something. I'm not, I was never good at anything. And when I first tried comedy, I was like, okay at it. And I was like, I think I can be good at this. I finally found something that I just, I wanted to try to be good at. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I was not career oriented. Nobody tries to be a good warehouse manager. You just become a warehouse manager. Right. You weren't six years old going, I'm going to be a, the best That's warehouse manager. That's me. Yeah. 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 Got that. <laughs> so I could have drank less and could have focused more. But if I drank less and focused more, would I have had the same path and stories that I get to talk about in stand up that? got me to this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, at 43, I don't want to be a guy that just has stories about being drunk. That's, that's sad. Mm-hmm. But early on, those are my relatable stories. Hey, anybody else in their late twenties with no uh, direction and you, you know, you abuse too many substances and the whole audience is like, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, here's my stories about it. And then right. that was the in, co- the in common. Yeah. In common there. I got to this point. And I think if I would have gotten to it sooner, I wouldn't have been as responsible with money and how I handled my life. So I think it all kind of worked out the way it was supposed to more by circumstance and less by like learning lessons. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. You've got a, what I get about you is you've got a real appreciation for the process and, and it's important for you to enjoy the process, which is not typical you know, a lot of guys that are so focused on success are look, looking at metrics. They're comparing yeah. themselves constantly. Their their way of looking through life is looking side to side. How much is this guy doing? How many, I got to be better than him. Where's he playing on all that kind of stuff. And, and for the, when we're in that mindset, we're rarely enjoying the process because all we can think about is where we're going and where we should be instead of where we are. And so I, I'm curious for you as somebody who lives in Los Angeles and you're in a, in a very competitive environment, uh, where you're going up against other comics at night, and it's easy to get into that comparisonitis and to hear the laughs or to see how big the the you know how many people are in the seats and that kind of stuff. It, for some guys, that puts guys into a tailspin just to think that you know they can't even appreciate where they are because they only see where they're not and and where they could be going. And I'm curious. I, I love hearing how you're able to just appreciate where you are for what it is and 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 not get so sucked into that because I typically hear more about. Guys who have a lot going for them and have done a lot, but they can't, they, they don't, they can't enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a great, I mean, I, I still get my friend Monty as he puts, he's like, compare and despair. If you compare yourself to others, you'll just fall into despair. It's a yeah. nice little, 
little bumper sticker for you to have. Compare and despair. So don't get caught up in it. But I always thought, like, I don't. Uh, it's easy to do that. It's easy to watch a show, like, go and there's like, oh, there's ten comics on the list, and you see people just crush the whole audience there, loves it, and like, oh man. But I, and then I'll go and bomb. But did I bomb doing material that I cared about and was trying to craft, or did I bomb? trying to match expectations of an audience that was not my style. If I bomb trying my own thing, hey, okay, we're working on our own stuff. If I bomb going like, hey, boy, dating's crazy, isn't it? Like, I'll hate my, that's when I'll hate myself. Being the chameleon, like who, who I think you want me to be. Yeah, and there's there's great versions of that. There's still the hackest subject, and I'll see a comic once in a while come at it, and I'll be like, I, you got me, sorry, you know. why Everything goes back to hot dog, I'm wearing a hot dog shirt. I'm sure even the best chefs sometimes I, ah, I, mean, I just want a hot dog. They're so good. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you need that. But I was thinking about it, and I'm not trying to like, oh boy, I'm so humble. But I was getting caught. I was looking at some other comics that are like, oh, they got Netflix specials and they're playing these big theaters. And I'm like, oh, I would like that. But again, at, at what cost? I don't want to. I don't ever want to look out at a, at an audience and see a, like and, and wonder what I was saying to bring those type of people there. What do you mean? Like I don't what, want. What you... I, yeah, there's some comics I wonder if like their fan base is like these maniac drunks and like you party and I party, so we're partying. I'm like I don't want you to party. I want you to have some drinks and sit there and be respectful of people around you and watch the show and laugh, but don't be like uh, don't be a maniac just because you came to the show. How much are you supposed to want? All my bills are paid for because of jokes. What more am I supposed to, this idea of like what you're convinced you're supposed to want. I, I was talking to my mom about my apartment and like, I was like, she's like, yeah, well, your kitchen's out of date. And like, cause we're like, oh man, you, if, you, if you gotta buy, if you don't own, you're throwing your money away. I'm like, not really, because I got an out-of-date kitchen. I don't care, because it's an apartment. Now, if you own a house, now you're looking at that stove is out of date. So even though the stove works, I need a new stove. Like, nah, the fridge keeps things cold. The stove <laughs> heats things up. Why does it have to be? And I, But uh, that's because I could see myself getting into that mindset. Yeah. It's like, what, do, what more do I want to do? I get to work when I want to, telling jokes yeah. and take time off. This whole corona thing. I've been very cautious with my money because I feel like it's all stolen money because I got it from jokes and I don't own a house. I don't have this other stuff. <laughs> they're calling any day. They're going to call and be like, hey, man. yeah, they're going to be like, hey, remember how you made that? Like, that's like a bank robber. Pretty much. I'm doing the thing I want to. And then my bills are paid because yeah. I already have enough uh, Catholic guilt to make me question my my fortune every day. So. How much more of that do I want? Yeah. I don't have to say like, oh shit, I got to do 300 dates this year right. because I got to pay for that house and I got to pay for that car. It's like, no, I'll do however many dates I want when I'm ready to do them because I think I have a new hour that's good comedy. And that way, I don't want a, a room full of a thousand Fairweather fans. I'd rather have a room of 200 fans that are going to show up for the next 10 times I play that city in the yeah. next 15 years. Yeah. That's way more valuable than having the theater full of them and then 
they're gone they next time. They in five years. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I'm hearing is like, when you don't know what's important, everything seems important. And it, what you're talking about is like, suddenly the stove is important. Suddenly this thing is important over here and it just starts to crowd everything. And it, and it takes the focus away from, holy shit, I get to have my bills paid by telling jokes yeah. and I get to have the lifestyle that I've got from telling jokes. That's what's important. And I get to do it on my terms. That's what's important. And I have to say that out loud to remind myself sometimes because yeah. everybody gets caught up. Like you said, being in Los Angeles, it's always seeing it's crazy. Who's doing better? Like comedians are all insanely jealous and I am absolutely the same way. But again, you could just sit there with your jealousy and be like, why don't I have that? Or like I was saying, go inside like, well, why do you want that? Mm-hmm. Do you want do you want the things? Do you want the fame? Does that person that has the fame look happy with their fame? Do, you know, are they <laughs> let's look at their life. Do they seem happy or do they seem like, oh, now they have a, a, an amount of work that is Huge watering down the yeah watering down the comedy because now they want to appeal to more people so you kind of have to water down what you're doing right and that's when I was like when I do that I'm like no you're doing great why like there seems to be a fear that enough that if I'm happy with enough then I'm somehow I'm gonna say settling that's a strong word but there I think there's the fear of like there for some there that that drive is whenever they ask the question the, the answer is always more it doesn't matter what it is it's just got to be more. Instead of coming back to like, this is what works for me. This is fantastic. This is where I actually feel more free, more alive. This is where I actually feel connected to my fans and, and, and the people in my life. I feel yeah. I got peace of mind at night because I'm doing shit on my terms. And folks of us are just, it's easy to get lost in that when, again, when we fixate on those external comparisons and those outcomes and we lose sight of, or we lose touch with how it actually feels. And, and I think, I love that you could, could you really put yourself in the, in the shoes of that other person that you, you think is doing better. It's like, well, do they have more freedom than I do? Are they have enjoying life? Are they, are they feeling alive with what they're doing? Do they feel more yeah. dis- disconnected? Do they have people in their lives that actually love them or are only there to just kind of suck off their neck? So it's, well, uh, well, it's like the having the 200 people that appreciate what you do because you might want to change your mind or challenge their ideas. Right. Versus the thousand people that, if you decide to change your mind on an idea, they're like, wow, you flip flop. Like, and then you lost them versus quality versus quantity is what I want out of the, the, the the fan base. I even hate the word fan base. I did a thing. You like the thing you came to see the thing. Yeah. That what you like, you're saying the idea of of wanting more. And I, I wouldn't say it's uniquely American, but it's very American to be like bigger house, fancier car. And all these things. I, I've got the things that make me happy, the physical items that make me happy, but now it's turned into like, just because you can, why, why, why should you? Mm-hmm. I, 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 have no cons- I have no constraints. I have no uh, debt. Yeah. I like, would like to keep it that way. Yeah. No, no banks uh, own me, and, and I get to do what I want to do for a living. Wow, man, I, I thought I kind of won in terms of the American dream. I would say <laughs> so. Yeah. The banks the banks aren't coming for me, and I pay off my credit card every month, and I get my little uh, uh, Capital One points to so go fuck yourself, you guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I got a telescope from Capital One points, even though I never paid them a dime in interest. So, okay, hey, yeah, kiss my ass, banks. Nice. Got, isn't that the American dream, to tell banks to kiss your ass? I thought that was winning. That is good. <laughs> 
I think that's it. I think it's that internal, to me, it's an internal guidance system. And if you're, if you don't get that right, it, it is always that compare and despair. Yeah. Uh, but when your internal guidance system is tuned to, Hey, what, where do I actually feel good? Where do I feel solid? Where am I enjoying my life? Then who gives a shit what it looks like to others, yeah. right? It's, it's really what it comes back to you and doing things on your terms. And I think that t- it takes balls to do things on your own terms and to forge your own path. I think just more and more and more is just part of that autopilot mindset, like where we get, get bred into that kind of thing of just go, go, go more, more, more. To me, that's, that's more programming than it is actually, well, let me just shut up and listen yeah. to myself for a minute and, and find the thing that, that I want and I'm okay with. I always refer to comedy loosely as art because it's just easier to lump it in with that pursuit. It's like once, once your art becomes your obligation. I just remembered a joke you said about a fart. And uh, you, oh. why you don't call it, why, you can't, why you're not going to get a grant for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the fart, farts are contractions for the turd baby. Yeah, I, I'm an artist. Anyway, I'm uh, just I'm up there with musicians and painters. Uh, but that's the thing. Like once that once it be, once you become obligated to create art to pay for your lifestyle, like what I, I, I don't know, man, it's, I don't think that's going to be great art anymore. But, you know, like I've gone a real long way to be lazy. I put a lot of work into being lazy. Like I've got, I've put it all, so much work to not be obligated by anything in this world. Whereas if I could have yeah. just, if I, if I was all right with get up at seven 30 in the morning, I would have, I would never be here. I would be like, nah, I can go to j- my job and I'll be fine. And I yeah. get my benefits and everything. But because I was so hated work that I, my, my the laziness towards a day job manifested itself in this two decade long pursuit of comedy. <laughs> so uh, just white knuckling and having an, having a plan. That's, that's great. If you're like, I'm, I need to finish college in less than four years. I need to get this master's degree. And I saw some people apply that to their whole life. I want to be married by the time I'm 25. I want to have two kids by the time I'm 28. Like, Benjamin and Satchel. I've already got them named. And <laughs> yeah, there's, and that's like that's kind of reliant on more of the universe of just like by 25. Like, well, I'm 24 and a half. You, you're with me. Let's go. Like, yeah, got to got to stick to the plan. Hey, that brings some people a lot of comfort. Is looking at a completed checklist. My life is chaos to some people. I think that's the thing that they can't stand is. I got to have certainty. Right. And, and there's a theme through all of this, which is, I don't know what's going to happen if I go on stage and work out this material. I don't know what's going to happen if I don't necessarily have a plan, but you prefer it that way. That works really well for you. And then there are some that, that, that nerve cannot tolerate uncertainty. And it's, and I think there's this illusion of certainty. There's this illusion of safety and security when in actuality you start to test those things. And there's this not, we trade our, aliveness, the thing that you're not willing to trade, you, we trade our integrity, the thing you're not willing to, to trade when we, when we buy into that illusion of, of security and comfort. Um, and I see that over and over again, and they, they, they buy into that plan, they lock into that plan and then wonder why they feel trapped and drained and isolated and bored out of their minds. Yeah. I, I, I get, I think some people, but I mean, my, my lifestyle is not good for somebody else's lifestyle. I mean, exactly. You don't want, you don't want a CPA with my attitude. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't want like, I don't know. We'll just see what happens, man. Let's see what happens. 
I, I kind of skip every other line some days <laughs> just because, like, I don't know, you got to add it, you got to subtract it. I'm just not into it. What, are you going to get audited? They only audit every other person. You don't want my personality type to be a CPA. Exactly. And the same way you might not want a CPA to be a comedian because I've seen people who come from a very controlled environment and they love comedy. And they've watched, you know, people like Jerry Seinfeld, and they know they can write a setup and a punchline, but there's just no soul to it. And they don't understand why it's not going well, because mathematically, they are doing stand-up comedy. Right. They are, you know. Doing the formula. So the math, yeah, and the formula should add up to laughs. And it's like, nah, there's soul to it. It's, you can sit and have the dexterity to be an amazing musician, you know, Johnny Ramone can just bleed all over his guitar yeah, and just do bar chords for 50 years. And you feel it. And people are like, yeah, that's, that's music that gets me going. I, I, I get into this. And like, but somebody's like, no, but I practice. I know uh, arpeggios and I know scales. And it's like, yeah, but where's the soul? We got no soul. Yeah. So yeah. now the beauty is when you can, be both of those things at once. <laughs> yeah. And those are, those are your geniuses. Those are your masters of, of their craft. They and have I, that know. choice to go back and forth between that. Yeah. Those, and those I'm tools. In awe of them. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's beautiful. And we get, we get a few of those every lifetime yep. and, and, and where they choose to focus, you know, hopefully it's art and creativity, but sometimes you need them to be yeah. CPS, I guess. <laughs> well, I love how you brought it back around to kind of nuanced, right? It's not all this or all that. And, you know, it's always this or always that. There's a time and a place for everything. And that's un- that's part of the discomfort, too, is, is, is if we're wanting certainty, then it's like, just tell me the way. And I want it to be done and everything. And, and again, you're back to like, well, in this situation, it's going to be this way. I want my accountant to be a by the by the book guy. And then I want my my comic to to be able to, to hang it out there on the on the edge. So. Yeah, I guess, and, and going back to like the idea of, of fear with like public speaking, I just needed to try stand up. It was one of those things that I was like, I'm going to do it once. It was skydiving. Like, I got to try it. I got to know. What'd you need to know? Like, if you could fly or if you were going to die? Like, what, what did you need to know? Just get up on stage. I, I, I was, you know, always thought I was funny, but when you think you're funny, it turns out you're actually just obnoxious. <laughs> and being obnoxious gets put in check real quick when you stand in front of strangers. It's not Kyle showing up to the party. Hey, Kyle's here. What's up? It's like, who are you? Prove yourself. Right. Yeah. And I was writing things and I just wanted to know if these couple of thoughts I wrote were funny. Yeah. Cause I always liked the best. But I, that I would cur- encourage anybody that's it. You got this. I'm sure there's an open mic in your town. Go try it. Go bomb. Mm. Go bomb and then realize you're still alive the next day. You probably feel even better the next day. Like, whoa, I can't believe I did that. Feel it. Go experience that. Again, be curious. Try stuff. Sing some karaoke. Go, go do a thing. Maintaining curiosity and, and, and sampling all these things in life and try a new food, talk to a stranger, say hi to somebody. I, you know, I, I don't see... What I mean, granted, somebody could be like, "How about heroin?" Like that's not what I'm saying, but you know what I, you know what I mean. Like I would always get mad at friends that just never pursued stuff. Yeah, never. We're just it. like, no, I'm gonna have the wife and the family. It's like, yeah, but you like this. No time for that. This is the plan. Like, sad. Not yeah, bum me out. Bum, yeah. Bumps me out. Not living. 
Oh man, this has been great. I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I didn't know what the interview would be like, but I, I was genuinely curious about you and your approach. When I listened to your work, it's like, man, there's something else going on in there. And so I, I appreciate you giving me a little window into, into you and, and how you work and, and what makes all of that no. tick. So, yeah. Thank you for asking me. I was looking at the lineup of former guests. I saw Vernon Reed. From Living Color, the, and that yeah, one I was like, oh, he was the guy I was thinking of when when you were talking about all the chops and everything, and then being able to just lay it out there, you know. I I remember that uh, yeah, Living Color playing live on TV, some show, and and Vernon Reed just just light more or less lighting the guitar and fire. My dad's like, that just sounds like noise. I'm like, he's actually a, a jazz guitarist. That's you know very well versed jazz guitarist. That when he plugs it into his amp, it sounds like that. Yeah, Cult of Personality was one of the first songs that I heard in my life where I was like, you can make that sound with just, that's just an electric guitar you can yeah. do? And I was like... Well, I mean, there was a whole other level with those guys. I was in a band, you know, back when their their third album was going around and... And I, and I didn't mean to like shut down the nice end of the interview. And no, 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 it's cool. Color. <laughs> dude, I will talk about Living Color all day. But th- <laughs> I mean, the... Uh, yeah, and I just remember thinking... You know, we were young and stupid and thinking we were hot shit. And I, I saw them I saw them two nights in a row and I realized that they were like jazz musicians, they were changing it up every night. And uh, and it with little looks and nods at each other and I just my heart sank. I was like, I that's okay, I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting there in this lifetime. Like what they were doing, like it was everything we could do just to get through our set and like hold on for dear life and you know, just get through it and play as well as we could. And then I was watching those guys just like Hey, not even say anything, but just go down this other road in the middle of a, of a pop rock song structure. And it just, I, I remember I was just like, why, why play? <laughs> and I told Vernon that when I talked to him, I was just like, you know, I got over it, but it was just like a whole other level. Just like, yeah, we're going to bring that jazz mentality to rock and just like, you're not even going to, hey, you don't I, even know how, how you're being hit. Yeah. Well, that's funny. <clears throat> I got more inspired for comedy going to punk rock shows because all those people never took themselves seriously yeah. And we're just funny. Whereas, you know, all this other music that like when Nirvana, like, yeah, but Nirvana is always like so sad. And I just go see these bands that were like already stand up comedians just in their own <laughs> room. The one guy trying to tune the guitar and like he just couldn't get a tune. He's like, ah, fuck it. I got your money. And then just starts <laughs> playing out of tune. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's killing me right now. That's it. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of inspiration from music to move into comedy. So. Yeah, yeah, it's cool how we get kind of, for me too, I mean, I come from an art background, music background, and I just, for me, when, in the work that I do working with people, it's like, yeah, we're going to the studio. I don't know what's going to happen today, but your life's the canvas, so let's go. Let's paint. You can you can be a chicken shit with a canvas, or you can play big, you yeah. know, go, let's go for it. Let's paint. We don't, you don't know, we don't know how much time you got. So what are we really playing for? So yeah, I look at it the same way. I don't know how much time we got. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can use it though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's even this looking at like the last run of shows that I was doing. I'm like, I'm glad I was enjoying those last run of shows. Cause now we're all getting a sample of unemployment and an uncertain future of like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't just phoning it in on those last few. I'm glad I was like, oh, I like these new jokes. I'm working on this. I'm changing it up. So I got to at least, at least leave it on a high note. So yeah. Hey, and if there's anything else I can do to to support you guys, let me let me know. No, I pr- I really appreciate it, Trip. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Had a blast. Love connecting with you. I hope we get to do it again soon. It's a good one, man. You made me get into some corners. I appreciate it. Uh, that's what I do. All right, man. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Thanks, bud. Bye, bye. Check out Kyle Kinane's latest comedy album, Trampoline in a Ditch, on your favorite streaming platform. 
If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.